Mobile Rolling, presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices, online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Do goes up to put it to expensive ego now. Honolulu Bay's coming out after him. Rock and Roll Do wanted to hang in. Expensive ego kicked back, but Rock and Roll Do's now got the better of him. Honolulu Bay's down the outside. It's Rock and Roll Do in front, though. He got away on better eclipse Honolulu Bay out wider but it's Rock and Roll Do. Rock and Roll Do wins the cup. Second Honolulu Bay third home better eclipse and fourth copy that. Then came Torrance the Victoria South Cup from last Saturday night at Melton of course. Leap to fame winning the Victoria Derby and Grant Dixon. Uh, we'll grab Grant before we finish this morning on Racing Active. But Chris Barsby is with us. How are you Chris? Steve, uh, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Let me fire some questions at you first and foremost. As a general harness fan, you would have taken in a few of those replays from Saturday night. What was the race that captivated you most? Oh, clearly the derby, without any doubt at all, Chris. I mean, there was no legitimate star. Like, Rock and Roll Do is obviously a very promising horse. He's a bit of a giant killer, and obviously he's young, and he's got, um, you know, if he stays sound, he'll be around for season after season. However, it was all about the derby and uh, leap to fame. Okay. With Rock and Roll Do taking the Victoria Cup, they're now scheduled to fly out on Thursday, along with Copy That. They'll head back to New Zealand, Copy That defending champion. Rock and Roll Do is going to represent Victoria and Australia. Do you think he's got any chance of knocking off the Kiwis in their, their big feature over there? Aren't they all very evenly matched at the moment, Chris? Some of these horses at the top level? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But... Here we are, and, and and I'm not overstating it, but I think most Australian trainers get scared when Mark Purden arrives on Australian soil. So here we are going into his backyard trying to win his biggest race. Is it doable? Very clever. <laughs> doable. Mm. Mm. We'll wait and see. But he's won 12 mm. of, what, 29 now, Chris, this horse, Rock and Roll. Do we, we weren't even talking about this horse, were we, a year ago? Uh, a year ago, no. We were hopeful, uh, hopeful of attracting him to uh, to our carnival earlier this year during July in the winter because he was eligible for the Rising Sun. So I know there was a little bit of dialogue between uh, Queensland officials and connections of that horse. In the end, they decided to uh, keep him down there, and it's turned out to be a blessing in disguise, bypassing the carnival up here, focusing on on what they've been able to achieve now. So that turns out to be a really good thing for them. So. But you're right, uh, yeah, 12 months ago, there wasn't a great deal of talk around about rock and roll do. And here he is now. He's only a four-year-old, uh, very lightly raised, and uh, he, he's winning a Victoria Cup. Not only winning a Victoria Cup, but he's sitting parked out some of, outside some of the best horses that we've got in this part of the world and putting them away. So uh, the rise to fame has been meteoric, no question about it, but uh, that's exciting uh, for what lies ahead as well. Yeah, just would leap to fame, Chris. Yeah, we were there was some suggestion that he might only have one, another one more run, but it'll be two, won't it, in the Breeders' Challenge Series before you're going to be calling him at the carnival once again next year. And, yeah, hopefully the tab Eureka, if he stays nice and sound for Kevin and Kay, who have got yeah, a slot we'll in that race. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. So he's got a race on Saturday week. He's got to go around in the semi-final of the Breeders' Challenge, and then obviously if he qualifies, which everyone expects him to do, he'll have that one more start uh, in the final. So if he can go out with uh, two more victories, uh, what a season it's been, you know, claiming the three major derbies. And 
you know, when you consider only three horses have been able to achieve that, Steve, we're talking, you know, uh, the, the, the rarest of uh, company, Paleface, Adios, Courage Under Fire, Captain Joy. Some might question Captain Joy, but when you break down his three-year-old season, he was phenomenal. He had 13 starts as a three-year-old. He won 12 times. The only time he got beaten uh, was the final race of his season, and that was in the Breeders' Crown. He ran into the Boom Kiwi Colt Tintin in America. So you can't really knock him. Uh, he banked more than a million dollars in uh, in stakes uh, overall, Captain Joy. So he was top shelf, no doubt about it. And, you know, Gavin Lang went on record, the late, great Gavin Lang, saying, you know, this guy is a genuine superstar. So he joins a very, very elite company, uh, Leap to Fame, by claiming all three uh, major East Coast derbies. So... Fingers crossed that he's got those two more races to get through, and uh, then he's got that big, uh, big four-year-old season coming up. The uh, the main race is going to be the Rising Sun, and then obviously the Eureka. And I want to talk more about the Eureka right now. David Brick from Racing Queensland is about to join us, and we're going to cover off on a lot of territory this morning. So there's a lot to talk to uh, David about. But news came through last week: Harness Racing Australia announced the Eureka. It's a new race, two point one million dollars. So this is a massive prize money, richest race on the harness racing calendar. It's set to be staged next year for the first time, September 2 in Sydney at Menangle, 2,300 metres, three and four-year-old horses only, and they've got to be Australian bred. So Leap to Fame fits that category. The 10 slot holders were announced last week. Tad Corp, Taz Racing, Wayne Loader, Aaron Bain Racing and Summit Bloodstock combined, Cordina Racing, Danny Zavitsanos, John Singleton, Kevin and Kay Seymour, Racing Queensland, and Soho Standardbreds. They're the other 10 slot holders. Three years they're locked in for chasing this big race, the Eureka. David Brick from Racing Queensland joins us now. Uh, big news last week, David, when these were announced, these slot holders. And uh, obviously, first and foremost, congratulations. Yeah, g'day, Chris. Uh, listeners, Steve. Uh, yeah, thank you. Now, look, it's great for Queensland to be involved. As you said, there's, I guess, at least two Queenslanders involved in some shape or form with uh, Kevin and Kay involved. And I guess somewhat, somewhat Bloodstock have had uh, some Queensland involvement as well. But uh, no, we're wrapped to be involved. Uh, it'll be a really good opportunity for us to, to showcase harness racing uh, in Queensland on the national stage. And as you were discussing, it was uh, that was uh, done last Saturday night. So we're really uh, you know, I think the industry here is uh, moving forward and uh, we look forward to having a representative in that race. Okay, so naturally your due diligence was carried out. How extensive was that due diligence? Oh, look, we sort of, we, look, I guess the first and foremost from our point of view is it's something that, you know, we, we support and want to be involved in and I think that certainly ticked those boxes. Uh, we had discussions uh, with, with industry around, um, you know, um, uh, the possibility of, of racing queens having an involvement and, and what type of involvement that would be for the Queensland industry. We can have some further consultation on, on how our representative will be selected, but more than likely be a, a qualification race to give uh, Queenslanders a chance to, to get in there. Uh, so that's sort of, a, we sort of went through that. Certainly the um, HRA went through a significant consultation phase with regard to the, the concept as well. Uh, but uh, well, we fully support it. It's going to be the world's richest harness race, um, and it's fantastic for Queensland <coughs> to have a representative in it. 
Um, you know, and we think it's going to be not only just great for the industry uh, from a harness code point of view, but the ability to, to branch outside the industry. And that's where we see a real opportunity for, uh, for this race uh, here in Queensland, but then more broadly uh, through the other slot holders as well that uh, we can target and, and get other people involved who are outside the, the, the harness racing sphere on a regular basis. The obvious question, world's richest harness race, $2.1 million. How is it funded and obviously, is it sustainable? Yeah, so there's certainly there's the, the slot holder element. So as you said, uh, each slot was uh, 300,000 uh, over the three years, so 100,000 a year. So there's uh, part of the funding. Uh, there's also been some uh, funding set aside by HRA, uh, which they've done, and part of that is through the new stadium registration fees, um, something that uh, they put together, and that was uh, one of the uh, purposes of that changes to the registration. Uh, so th there are some different uh, funding mechanisms of that, uh, by and large, that uh, horses that, that shuttle or uh, frozen semen that comes to Australia, um, there is a fee um, attached to with that registration, and the intent of that um, funding is to go towards uh, assisting in funding this race uh, now and into the future. So certainly from HRA's modelling's point of view, we, you know, we're really comfortable that that'll be sustainable going forward. And, um, you know, we, we think while we know there's some concern from the breeding industry, we, we understand that or we, we believe that through our uh, involvement in it, it will help. Uh, the breeding industry here in Queensland. And that'll be sort of part of the angle we take with regard to uh, how uh, our representative is selected. Okay, more on that a little bit later. Just on 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 the, the concept itself, the Eureka, this is probably a question for HRA, but I'll see if you can answer it. How many applications were received? Were, were HRA inundated with interest about, you know, uh, slot holders? Look, I don't know the answer to that. I know they were certainly oversubscribed, but it probably is a, a question for HRA. We certainly are aware that uh, we were we were one of the slot holders, but yeah, I don't know the exact numbers of that. So I'll, I'll leave that for, for HRA. Um, yeah, for question for them. All right, we, we've seen these slot races uh, take off in, in both the, the thoroughbred world and the greyhounds as well. We're seeing a little bit of the slot races in North America, Canada in particular. What do you think will be the biggest benefit for the sport down under? I think from the point of view is that, you know, the fact that it's the, the richest harness race uh, in Australia or in the world is, is is a starting point with regard to that. It enables us to have some relevance outside the, the industry and, and people see, you know, races that are worth a million plus in, in the other codes. So the fact that we've got one that's, you know, over $2 million um, helps add relevance to the, to the sport here uh, in Australia, uh, and I think with that then enables us to be able to get greater reach um, through media partners. Um, the, the certainly know the slot holders are really keen, and you know, as I said, the way we'll go about um, deciding our slot holder. Um, there's others uh, that'll have, that'll promote their slot in a different way, and I think that will add to the overall promotion, and it'll continue to be an ongoing discussion point uh, right throughout. Uh, the, this year and next up until the race. So I think that's one of the great things of the spot holder is that it's, um, you know, it's a nomination process where noms come in the week before as per most races. 
uh, this really creates discussion and, you know, who knows, you know, you could have someone like Kevin and Kate could come out and announce their uh, slot, their uh, representative tomorrow if they wanted to with a horse like Leap the Fame. So it enables that discussion to continue um, from now right and up until the race. So I think there, there's some of the key elements with it um, that will help um, ensure the race is relevant right throughout the year. Okay. Well, now that RQ are locked in, so they've got a spot for the next three years. We know the date is September 2 next year. And just on the selection process, when when do you have to make your selection or when does RQ have to make the selection? Look, we don't have any... Obviously, the, there's uh, timeframes around the um, nominations for, for the race. But, you know, we've got pretty much right up until next uh, next year. Um, not that we'll be up until the race, obviously, in September, but we won't necessarily be waiting that long. Uh, the specifics um, of um, of our slot are still being worked through. Um, there's some partners that we're involved with. So now that we've been advised of the slot, we're going to formalise agreements with them. Uh, following heads of, heads of agreement prior to the slot uh, being announced. So that's sort of the process we'll go through over the next uh, four to six weeks uh, with a view then to, to announcing to industry as to how our slot representative will be determined, uh, which will then help with the, the promotion of that. Um, so, And then in terms of that, when that would be, for example, as a qualification race, we'll work with the industry as to where that would, um, you know, we believe that would best fit in. Um, obviously, it'd be some time prior to the, to the race, um, uh, but as I said, that's probably a bit of a discussion with industry as to whether that fits in best as uh, another race during the carnival next year or whether it's slightly after or slightly before. So there's some of the things we'll still iron out um, following discussion with uh, with participants. And okay, obviously so, that's likely. so that's likely you might uh, introduce a new race to the calendar which will determine who RQ select as their representative? I think that's more than likely, yeah. I think that's sort of the, the, the intent that we've done with... Uh, from a greyhound point of view, we'll see uh, where uh, um, we'll have a representative in the Phoenix this year, and there's a race called the Flame that has been developed to, to determine Queensland representatives. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that worked well last year. Um, it's not to say we'll go through exactly the same process um, in terms of the conditions of the race, but uh, certainly something along those lines is, uh, is I think, what we'll, we'll be working with industry on. Okay, so in a perfect world, do you want a, a Q-bred horse? Oh, look, I think that would certainly look to be, be one of the aspects we'd, we'd look at. I mean, I think there's some of the discussions we'll have with the industry as to whether it's, you know, a Q-bred or it's Queensland-trained horse or a combination of those. So there's some of the things we're, we're interested. We clearly want to we want to see, a, you know, a Queenslander in some shape or form in that race. Um, and uh, so that, that's a, that's certainly a discussion. You know, some people have got different views on that. So we'll just take those views in and then make a decision. But, you know, I think um, certainly a cubit element to it, I think, as I said, touched on from a, a breeding perspective, we, we're keen to, to, to link that up to the race. Um, obviously, it would have to be for, for an Australian bred cubit, uh, given the conditions of the race, if that was the, the way we went. But I think, you know, I think, you know in a perfect world, that, that would certainly be great to uh, to have a cubit flying the flag for Queensland. Okay. Did any of the other names of the slot holders surprise the RQ team? Were you, were you shocked to see a name like John Singleton uh, uh, being uh, granted a, a slot for the next three years? Was there any major shock for RQ there? Uh, not really. I mean, the um, really, I mean, I, I know there were certain supporters out there that had publicly put their support towards the 
towards the race, um, you know, out in, in social media, such as you know, Rob Watson and, and Summit Bloodstock, and certainly indicated they were going to look at to get a slot. So that those type of um, owners and organisations weren't a shock, but. Uh, uh, in terms of someone like John Singleton, we're obviously aware that he was uh, involved with the announcement. Um, so there was probably, uh, you know, some chance that he may put his hat in the ring for a slot. But look, I think by and large, I think, you know, um, yeah, there was, I don't think certainly any surprises, but um, certainly it was great, good to catch up with the slot holders last week and get some idea of how each of them are going to look to promote. You know, for example, Danny Zavitsanos is looking to link up with the Geelong Harness Club and seeing how they can run a promotion. Uh, as to you know, how his thought can, can involve the Geelong community. So uh, yeah, I think those type of ideas, and as I said, that's where I think the, the, the great benefit of this uh, concept is, is being able to, to get outside and, and promote in different ways. And because you've got 10 different slot holders there, um, they'll have different views as to how they can do it, which is great. And I think that, that adds to the diversity and innovation of the race. Mm. One thing that stood out when you look at those uh, slot holders that were announced, no studs. And this is a, a race that is going to push the breeding industry uh, overall. So was that a shock or is that a concern that no no stud put their hand up for a slot? Uh, look, I, probably not. Um, look, I, I guess probably to some degree, Soho Standard Bread's under Rob Watson, to some degree, maybe aligned to, to his uh, with Soho, Soho Tribeca there. But yeah, look... Um, Look, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's each of the the, uh, the studs' views as to how they view the race. Um, there's certainly going to be some of their their, uh, their progeny within the in the race, and and I guess the other part of the the other part of the concept is is um, there'll be nothing stopping a bit similar to the to the Everest, and that you know some of these slots can be traded, or you know there might be opportunities for for those type of things to happen down the track as well. So. Um, you know, that's not to say that, you know, a stud doesn't see the opportunity within one or two years and maybe approach one of the, to, to, to become involved in, in one of the slots as well. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think uh, this will continue to change and evolve over the next three years and, and then following that, the continuation of the race. Uh, so I'm sure over time that they certainly will have an involvement. As I said, the progeny is certainly going to be involved in it. Um, it uh, it's probably a little bit of, Suck it and see from their point of view. Uh, maybe some uncertainty, but uh, look, I, th- I think uh, once the, the series gets moving, um, I'm sure there'll be some some involvement from the studs and, and willingness to be involved as well. Okay, uh, Alibar quickly springs to mind there, being one of the bigger studs in, in this country. What about uh, the fact that Racing Queensland's got a slot, Taz Racing's got a slot? So, was there any other state bodies that applied for a, a slot? Well, not that I'm aware of. Uh, no, no. Look, we didn't really have a discussion with the other states as to to, to their intention or not. But look, I don't know that. Um, so look again, it, it may have been something from their point of view, whether that was a, a focus or they've got some other race series and that that uh, they've got in mind themselves. Obviously, Clubman Angles um, through New South Wales are going to be hosting it for the first year, so that may well have been their focus of you know their involvement in the in the race. But, um, yeah, look, not too sure on the other states as to whether um, they were going to go down that track. We're aware, obviously, that uh, WA have gone down the track of a, a slot race for themselves in Nullarbor, so that may have been where their focus was as well. So, um, look, I guess each state um, probably looks at it a little bit differently, and we certainly, from a Queensland point of view, saw the opportunity to, to get a Queensland rep in the race and, and help promote it.
That's probably another question for uh, Harness Racing Australia, that one. What about the effect or impact uh, on a couple of races? Uh, First and foremost, the Inter-Dominion. Do you think that the Eureka is going to have any impact on the Inter-Dominion? And more so uh, for our own sort of uh, peace of mind. And, you know, this happens in our own backyard. The Rising Sun. As we know, the Rising Sun is a race near and dear to your heart. You created that race for three and four-year-olds. Do you think there's going to be any sort of impact on that event because of the Eureka now? I think for the first query, read the Inter-Dominion. Uh, look, I'm, look, I don't think it'll... Look, at, I think for some for four-year-old Australian-bred horses, the Eureka may well come their, their primary focus for, for the year. Uh, so, But, you know, following that, that's going to be run in September, uh, two or three months to the Inter-Dominion. Uh, look, I, you know, I think there'll, be, there'll certainly be some four-year-olds still contest the, the Inter-Dominion. And uh, and we we see the uh, how good the four year olds are competing at the moment, as you discussed with Rock and Roll do winning the Victoria Cup last week. So uh, I don't know that it'll necessarily have a, a huge impact on the Inter. Uh, from our carnival point of view, there's I think certainly some potential impact. I think there uh, it could be two sides. You know, if the horses are locked away for for the Eureka, uh, they may not look to to travel to Queensland for our race. On the other side, there might be horses that are really looking to get in and show their, you know, show their worth um, and attract uh, a spot um, or get into the race. So they might see the Rising Sun as a great opportunity as a launching pad for that, and to be able to promote that uh, they're up to the to the best three and four year olds in Australia. So um, I think from that point of view, you know, there may be a little swings and roundabouts with regard to it. I think the other aspect that's, you know, uh, makes the rising sun particularly a little bit different is that it's not restricted to Australian bread. So certainly there, I'm sure there'll be some appeal from, from New Zealand horses for as well for that race. So, um, you know, while there will be some competition, we know at this stage that Leap to Fame is um, pretty much after this weekend, uh, sorry, this month, going to pack up and, and, and aim for our carnival next year. So at this point in time, we know the best three-year-old turning four in Australasia is going to be targeting the rising sun. So, um, yeah, which is great. And uh, we look forward to, to a few others um, looking to take him on. Mm. Puts a bit of pressure on the chariots of fire now as, uh, you know, it was probably once regarded that the flagship four-year-old race on the harness racing calendar. It's uh, it's under a little bit of pressure now. Was that music to your ears, uh, the fact that Connection said that uh, Leap to Fame is headed towards the carnival next year? It's uh, There's no guarantee in racing. I think it's fair to say, David, I think we've got a lot for the horse of the year this year already. Yeah, look, it's, it's been fantastic. It's an amazing effort to win three derbies and particularly how, you know, spaced out they are, you know, going from February and when now we're in October and he's clearly been the best three-year-old in Australasia. There's no doubt about that. He's travelled, he's gone and he's uh, he's won all three of them pretty, uh, pretty convincingly. So uh, it's great to have that horse in, in, in our backyard um, owned and trained in Queensland. And uh, yeah, it's good good to hear that you know they're they're looking to to head our head our way again or or stay here obviously for our carnival um, next year. So um, there's a number of good targets for them. Obviously, the Rising Sun would be the first one, but um, you know whether or not they decide to then have a roll of the dice at the Blacks of Fake or not, or or then put him uh, put him away and target him for the uh, <coughs> for the Eureka will be a decision no doubt they make at the time. But um, all going well, uh, he'll be up here and um, certainly be one of the flagships of the carnival best thing about his uh, three derby victories, there's something different about each of those wins. Like in New South Wales, it was his sheer speed that won his derby, sat 1-1 and then just blew them away. 
over the latter stages. It was brute strength that saw him win the, uh, the Queensland derby and just sustained speed the other night that uh, uh, seen him capture the Victoria derby. So he, he looks like he's the complete package, no doubt about it. Just on the breeding aspect as well, David. Uh, so maybe a new race could be created, you know, hoping to really enhance the Qbread product. We'll, we'll stay tuned for that. But can the Eureka enhance the local breeding industry, in your opinion? Well, I think it can. I think there's no doubt. I mean, I think from a, you know, it's a new race, $2.1 million, um, I'm sure there'll be people that are going to have sales, you know, thinking, you know, I want to buy a, buy a horse that can uh, compete in, in that race and others. So I think from a sales aspect, it'll, it'll create more interest uh, and, and certainly create uh, uh, some competition for, for, for maybe the you know the best bred horses, but that doesn't always uh, ring true in terms of once they once they get to the starting line. But I think, and also in terms of just people looking to, to breed horses, and I think um, you know as I said, that's the discussion we've got to have with with industry. But certainly from an RQ point of view, we're really keen to, to push the Q bred. Uh, you know, we think it's a vital. We've got to, we need, we, you know, just in in general, we need racing product. Um, hence why we've invested in, in Qbred in a range of areas, whether it be at bonuses at more the grassroots level to, to help fund the costs of initially getting to the races um, or through our feature races, uh, which we'll continue to invest in from a Qbred point of view. But, you know, we think this is another element opportunity by, you know, putting a, an opportunity for a Queenslander to be then competing a $2.1 million race uh, can only add to the interest and, and people, you know, you know, wanting to breed in our state. So... Uh, that's, uh, I think, certainly from our point of view, we look at it that way, and we'll continue to to work on how it, um, how that can work in with the other the other initiatives we've put forward uh, to continue to to grow the breeding here, um, and you know, and, and provide opportunities for for horses from, you know, from right at the top, but uh, down to those that um, you know mightn't make to the racetrack until they're four or five, and those bonuses are still available for those horses. So we'll uh, we'll certainly continue to invest in Qbread. All right. Well, it's breeding season now, and uh, hopefully those numbers continue to uh, to skyrocket. We've got new studs, new stallions standing here this coming breeding season. And just one question I, I, I want to ask you, just in your travels, how much feedback do you receive uh, or Racing Queensland receive about the Qbred scheme? Oh, look, it's continual, certainly from an industry, local industry point of view. There's a lot of positivity about it. Um, you know, continually get feedback as to how we can improve it, which is great. We recently undertook a survey from industry, so we're feeding that information back in now as to how, how we can improve and, and grow it. But then just more broadly, when you do go uh, interstate, um, there's certainly feedback from uh, from owners and breeders down there around the, the, the great benefits of the scheme. And we certainly see some mares coming this way for just purely for that uh, that benefit. So, no, I think we're sort of really lucky. I think one of the things is that we need to continue to sustain it, and that's one of the key parts that we get from, um, from industry is that it needs to be sustainable. And so we're really mindful of that but uh, making sure we continue to provide benefits, uh, but also mindful that we're, uh, we're planning for the future as well in, in that regard. So, and that's been an ongoing um, intent from our point of view when there have been stakes increases that we continue to invest in, in the pool of money that Qbreds can, uh, can race for uh, to, to particularly make sure those bonuses are sustainable. But no, it's certainly been really positive, um, both within the state and, and outside. All right, two final questions before I let you go this morning. Queensland will host the Inter-Dominion next year. Will Queensland eventually look to stage and host a, a Eureka as well? 
Uh, look, I think that's definitely something that we would look to do in conjunction with the Albion Park Club. Uh, I know our discussions we've had with the Albion Park Club is that they'd be, be keen to do that. And we'll certainly look to partner with them uh, with regard to, uh, and they'll be certainly one of the key groups with regard to uh, consultation and how our slot um, and representatives determined, but longer term, yeah, certainly Queensland would love to uh, host the uh, the Eureka and, and continue to host the Inter in the years to come. All right, the last question this morning, I'm going to get in before Steve asks it because we've been asking this question in recent times. Are we any closer to the new home being announced for Queensland Harness Racing? Um, it's certainly it's certainly getting closer. <laughs> it's certainly getting closer. I, I completely understand the, the question. It's... Uh, it's well and truly a work in progress and, and a priority for racing Queensland um, right across the board. So, look, I, you know, uh, hopefully uh, in the not too distant future, uh, there will be some um, some really good announcements on that front. Um, and it's probably important to say that it's not just about a new home, but it's probably more broadly that the work RQ is doing with with regard to industry about what the infrastructure plan is for the code into the future. So. Um, yeah, so that's certainly something we're, we're looking to be able to discuss within industry in the not too distant future, but certainly understand the, the interest. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly going to be a, a monumental occasion for the industry when that's able to be announced. Well, we look forward to it, and we look forward to further announcements coming through over the, uh, the coming weeks and months regarding the Eureka being staged for the first time next year, September 2 in Sydney Racing, Queensland, has got a slot for the next three years. David, as always, really appreciate the time and insight. We'll be in touch soon. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Steve. There's David Brick joining us, Steve, from Racing Queensland. So just re uh, repeating, $2.1 million, the, the world's richest harness event, and it's being staged in Sydney for the first time next year, September 2. The 10 slot holders, again, repeating, Tabcorp, Taz Racing, Wayne Loader, Aaron Bain Racing and Summit Bloodstock combined, Cordina Racing, Danny Zabatsanos, John Singleton, Kevin and Kay Seymour, Racing Queensland and Soho Standard Bread. So that will take place next year. So we look forward to having big Queensland representation there. Uh, leap to fame the obvious one right now. It'll be interesting to see what else makes it to that big race coming up next year. We've got nine events here today at Redcliffe. Of course, there's a bit of uh, track maintenance being carried out at Albion Park. We'll be back there on Friday and then we've got the nine event program on Saturday night. We need a winner for today. And our man, each and every Tuesday, Racetrack Ralphie joined us and he's online now. Ralphie, good morning. Yeah, morning, Chris. Still basking in the glory from Saturday night with the leap to fame, no doubt? Uh, certainly am. And uh, great to see some egg on some of the Victorian journalist faces, I can tell you. <laughs> uh, you had to go there, didn't you? You had to go there. Okay, yeah. what have we got today? Nine races. What's the best bet? Okay, we're looking at race four, number four. Uh, sorry, race three, number four. That being uh, Alpha Revelry. But he's a he's a talented pacer. He is resuming today, but he he does look well placed in this field. He's got a great record uh, on the triangle at Redcliffe, um, with three wins from four starts, and uh, he did look good in a recent trial at Albion Park. The uh, Turpin McMullen Stables absolutely firing at the moment. And uh, I think we can expect to see a very aggressive Pete McMullen drive here. So we're going race three, number four, Alta Revelry. Race three, number four, and why not? Let's double down and go with race four, number four, Teddy Disco. 
I, I doubt there's a horse that's got better form lines than any horse in the country right uh, right now today because he's a last starter runner-up in track record time behind the uh, the subsequent Victoria Derby winner in Leap to Fame. So we'll take that multi. Race three, number four, Alder Revelry. And we'll go with race four, number four, Teddy Disco. So we look forward to uh, today's program. Uh, we're back in action at Albion Park Friday afternoon and nine on Saturday night. Looks a fairly tidy program at this early point as well. Yeah, it looks, looks really good on paper. Um, and I'm interested. I'll go over their fields for the next few days and see if we can't find a winner. All right, sounds good to me. As always, Ralphie, appreciate the time. We'll see you at trackside. Yeah, thanks, Chris.